Hi, and welcome to another edition of the American Scouser podcast. This is your host for today, Debray Highway, along with Tim, uh, who's also with me. And we're here today to do just a quick recap of the Huddersfield match today uh, and talk a little bit about the game on Sunday morning, uh, Burnley versus Man City, given the huge implications that has for the title race. Um, an overview of where we stand in the title race after today's mauling of Huddersfield, 5-0 to the Reds. We are now in first place, Liverpool, 91 points from 36 matches and a plus 64 goal differential. Man City are on second with 89 points from 35 matches with a plus 67 goal differential. As I just said, Man City faced Burnley on Sunday, a match with huge implications in the title race. And after Sunday, both teams will have two matches left, with Liverpool playing on May 4th against Newcastle and Wolves on May 12th. Man City will play Leicester on May the 6th, Monday, May the 6th, and finish their season away to relegation threaten Brighton. Uh, Tim, before we break down today's game uh, in more detail, what are your ma- what are your major talking points from today's match, the 5-0 mauling of let me be. Let me put this as kindly as I can. The incredibly pathetic team from Huddersfield. Yeah, I mean, I think they just could not put up any battle. I mean, the way the game started, and it's almost like, well, this is why you guys are going down. But I mean, once that goal came in, I mean, if they had any shots to it, that kind of went down the drain. But a um, couple of things, you know, like I'll probably like put it on my post later on. I mean, one thing I noticed, and I think that kind of like stood out in a great performance like today is the state of storage. Um, I think Lee Dixon said it best where he looks like he plays for another team. And he does. I mean, we watch this team week in and week out uh, to the point where uh, you can, you know, when the ball is in a certain spot, we can almost call the next pass because that's how we play. And that's the right way to play. That's the club way to play. Whatever you want to name it. The ball moves. And you can almost tell this is where the ball is going to go next. Because that's where it should go. With Sturridge, I mean, he got caught on the ball so many times. Too slow. Not passing to the wide open person. Kind of like trying to almost do something. It was almost like he was trying to like put together a resume or something for next year. I don't know what it was, but I, that was my biggest take, which is probably, you know, very like me to take something negative out of such an awesome game. But, you know, I, I that's one thing that really glared at me uh, as I watched the game. Otherwise, I mean, with that start, I thought Keita had an awesome game. Um, I thought the entire midfield, I mean, really everybody on the field, I thought overall was solid. Uh, Sturridge was the one that stuck out with me. And I think after watching this game, we can pretty much say that Lauren is number four now in terms of our center back lineup. Would you agree to that? I mean, just looking at today's performance, not that he did anything wrong, but his positioning, sometimes his lack of speed or recovery. Uh, he did have a couple of like good tackles, actually. I'll give him that. But I feel like, you know, I would still put him behind Gomez and Matip right at the moment. Yeah, yeah. really interesting observations. Um, one, I agree with you about Daniel Sturridge. I don't know that he's trying to build a resume. I'll give him the credit that he's just trying to do his best for the team. But it's very clear that the team has, as you alluded to, a really strong identity now. The way we attack, the way we defend, 
the way we re- recover when we lose possession. Um, there's a real identity to this team, which is a tremendous compliment to Klopp. And I remember back in 2015 when he joined the club, um, Jurgen. I remember watching a, I think it was a League Cup game versus Southampton. And Daniel Sturge scored two goals. He was doing his little dance. Um, and he was sort of the man at the time. And I recall Jurgen Klopp being very tepid in his compliments towards Daniel Sturge. And I remember thinking, gee, you know, Daniel Sturge is the man. Why is he not embracing him more openly the way the supporters uh, had done for years at that point? And I think it's because he saw that he was not a Klopp-type player. And I think we've seen that be the case throughout the Klopp years. And now the team is populated by Klopp-type players. And they have a strong identity. And to your point, which I agree, he looks like he doesn't play for that team. Uh, so I think that's a very astute observation. With respect to Dejan, he famously said last summer, before or immediately after the World Cup final, uh, where he played for Croatia, that something to the extent that people need to stop talking stuff, he's the best defender in the world. Well, he's not the best defender in the world. He's not the best defender at Liverpool, and he's not in the top two at Liverpool. Um, I, I, I would agree. And I think it's not because he's a bad player. I think he's actually a very good player. But we've now turned a position of weakness over the last few years into a real position of strength. We have real depth as center uh, uh, half. Um, I'm really confident in all four of them. Um, they bring, they have different skills, and as long as Virgil is next to each of them, I'm pretty confident going into most games. Um, and I've become more confident over Matip um, over the last maybe six weeks. He's uh, hasn't really made any mistakes. He does have something going forward, and uh, I think he he brings a little something extra. But I would feel pretty confident with any pairing as long as Virgil Van Dyke is involved. Uh, for me, um, my main takeaways from this match are, and you you mentioned this as well, we're starting to see the Nabi Keita we thought we bought last summer. Uh, strong in the tackle, a little nastiness uh, about him. I thought he was going to get a yellow card for persistent fouling. His quality on the ball is improving. His decision-making is improving. He's starting to finish chances. I mean, the way he created that first goal in the first 14 seconds is just... Um, a real credit to his tenacity and uh, his ability to finish. So I thought that was, we're really now starting to see not just a good game from him, we're really starting to see a patch of form and not a moment too too, too soon. Uh, other things that really stood out at me is I think Mo and Mane scoring a brace, uh, each assisted by terrific uh, crosses by Trent and uh, uh, Andy. Um, I think that was another a uh, real talking point for me because that's the way we've attacked all year and it continues to be uh, effective. Our 20th, clean, our 20th clean sheet of the year. Can you imagine that? Uh, Liverpool, 20 clean sheets. Yeah. You know what happened last year? It like makes sense <laughs> in the same sentence almost. But Right, right. I mean, it's just, it's just incredible. But I would say my favorite thing about today's match was none of those things I've just mentioned as critical and crucial as they are. My favorite thing for me that match was the return of the Ox. Yep. Uh, the way he came in, he looked lively, confident, almost got on the score sheet himself. But I think my favorite part about that whole thing was how happy the supporters were and how 
thrilled his teammates were to see him on the field. They were trying to find him on the field. They were encouraging him. They had smiles on their faces looking at him. Uh, and I think it shows just the real togetherness of the team for his whole team to be supporting him and uh, uh, backing him. And I think that's an intangible quality of, of most club teams is that there's a real togetherness. And we've seen it over the last you know, several weeks, you know, there was, we had some different results. We didn't know which way the league was going to go. And uh, I think that there's a real steely togetherness in this team. And uh, again, that was an awesome moment for me in the match. So those are my major talking points. Um, Before I ask you your man of the match today, any thoughts, any additional thoughts about today's match? No, I mean, it's definitely great to have Ox back. I mean, Gomez getting more and more playing time. I thought if we were going to roll the dice and, you know, let Matip break, like rest, I thought actually we might see Gomez in there. So it was kind of surprised to see Lauren in there. Oh, good point. Because I think, in especially against teams, I mean, obviously, once we scored in the 15th seconds, it almost felt like we were not even expecting to score that early. And there was like a 10-minute spot where... We were like kind of out of it. It's almost like you kind of like grimaced, waiting for the pain, you know, like almost like ready for it. And then it was like, oh, this was it. You know, like when you get a shot, you kind of like you kind of like brace yourself for the shots. And then you were like, oh, that's it, that was it, kind of thing. I mean, we scored so early and almost like so easily. Uh, even we were kind of caught off guard. It looked like so there was like a ten minutes, you know, spots where we kind of lost control almost. And Huddersfield looked actually like a team, uh, but. I th- I think at when we play at home against teams who are you know gonna close down, uh, play really tight, uh, Matip and Gomez should be one of the center backs next to Van Dyke just because of the way they can bring the ball up front. I mean Gomez, the guy can play right back, so obviously on the ball he's very comfortable. And he can make those runs. And I think, you know, Matip is the same way. I mean, we saw it the last game. I mean, really, we've seen it since he's come back. Um, I mean, it was a big question mark, you know, when Lauren and, you know, like Gomez went down. But really, he's shown that at the worst, he's probably like our number three right now behind Gomez and Van Dyke. Um, and I think, like I say, when we play against teams that are really trying to play tight and close defenses, he's like a valuable person to have because he can take advantage of those spaces and kind of disrupt the lines of the defense. So, um, but I mean, definitely good to see Gomez back out there getting minutes. It kind of makes it interesting and I think probably puts a question in Barcelona's mind in terms of who they're going to face on Wednesday now, uh, just because, I mean, it's going to be harder to prepare with everybody uh, in good shape. I mean, we're hearing, you know, based on what Klopp's saying, Firmino was kind of more like arrested just in case kind of a deal, probably because it is it was Huddersfield. Um, I actually thought it was really interesting that we did not take, even at halftime, you know, they were talking about, and that would be my guess, if you were resting people, you would rest Mane and Salah. And I don't know, because, you know, Klopp feels like the rhythm is more important for those guys than rest. But, you know, I thought they would be the ones substituted out. And, you know, he chose to rest like, you know, Genie and stuff like that. So, uh, but I mean, great game overall. Great to see, you know, everybody getting involved. Uh, even like Shaq making an appearance. And I thought he did pretty good. Uh, it's good to have, you know, yeah, like the group playing together, winning together. And I agree to what you're saying. It is kind of like part of a club steal. But along the same lines, obviously winning uh, makes it a lot easier. 
to be on the same page and not have any, you know, background noise from like somebody who's not getting minutes or anything like that because you can't argue with success. But that success also does come with, you know, taking advantage of everybody, giving everybody minutes, uh, people earning their minutes and clearly earning their minutes. I mean, we never have somebody out there that we're like, how come he's always playing? I know people used to say that about Anderson all the time because they didn't appreciate the value. But, you know, overall, you can never really say when you look at people who are on the field, in midfield and stuff like that, like, how come they're getting minutes? Because they've all earned their minutes. I mean, look at what Keita did to kind of, like, come to where he's at now. And he's been unbelievable the last couple of games. The pressure he puts on the ball and everything like that today. Uh, sometimes, like, it doesn't show up in the stats because he might not necessarily steal the ball but i think he disrupts gets a toe on the ball and stuff like that deflects balls that eventually become you know our possession so i mean a lot to be happy about i was actually gonna put keita as our man of the match today i know you know salah and Mane are probably like easier choices but maybe because i really like what i'm seeing i mean what was that like a month ago or so i think we talked in the podcast about you know, people asking, uh, would you want Coutinho back or would you sell Keita and stuff like that? Would you swap and stuff like that? I don't think those conversations are probably going to start going away now as he puts out these performances out there. Yeah, um, all good points. Um, I-, I will just close that segment by saying I agree with you that uh, Navi Keita was my man of the match and I was definitely a big critic of his uh, I like to think of myself as a constructive critic, but a critic nonetheless um, until really the last four or five weeks. And a credit to him to have had the resilience to battle through adversity, uh, battle through what I'm sure must have been a loss of confidence uh, and uh, really show what he's been showing the last few weeks. And these have been critical uh, performances by him. Look, we're under great pressure. Every game is huge. And the fact that we got a goal created by him and scored by him in the first 14 seconds, I mean, that really um, uh, uh, relieved a lot of pressure. And I know we had a tough patch after that. Although, to be fair, I I don't think it was ever, um, you know, too scary. Uh, The fact that we had that cushion early on, I think it relieved a lot of pressure. Um, So credit to him, and I will make him the man of the match, although I think there were plenty of worthy candidates today. All right. Um, just a quick point I want to make about Huddersfield. Uh, this was their 28th loss of the season out of 36 games. At the start of the match, there was a 74-point gap between Liverpool and Huddersfield, the biggest points gap between two sides in Premier League history. Um, they're a really, really, really bad team. So as well as we play today, um, and not to take away from our performance or the good things that, that happened to us today, that was a really, really bad team. And uh, they're very, very worthy of their uh, uh, relegation back to the championship. I mean, yeah, I think it shows, you know, when you come to the Premier League, you kind of go two routes. Either you reinvest the money you made by coming to the Premier League and the money you're going to get and try to hang in there or roll the dice and see what happens and obviously i mean they knew to the point i think you know they knew even halfway even when they like changed coaches and everything like that that it was almost like too late to even try to make a comeback and they kind of like went the other route and did not really you know put the money back into the team and 
I mean, this is the difference. This is the Premier League and, you know, the, the difference between like championship uh, level teams compared to Premier League level teams. And you're playing against the big boys. And when you're not playing against the big boys, you're still playing against top quality teams that obviously have enough quality to be in the Premier League year in and year out. So, yeah, I mean, it is, you look around and, you know, we kind of like pride ourselves in like sometimes finding gems in these teams that get relegated. I do not have anybody out of that team that I would say would be a steal. Uh, right? I mean, do you see? I would agree. I mean, the only, I don't know that I saw a Premier League player on the field for them. <laughs> To be let, let alone somebody who might be a candidate to join a top two side. Um, I know Aaron Moy didn't play today. I think he's a decent player. He is. But yes. uh, they're just a bad team. And I think this team, currently constituted, might struggle even in the championship. All right, moving aside, um, just a, maybe we'll have a few quick comments about the Man City game coming up on Sunday. Uh, what are your thoughts about that? match and what do you expect to see i mean cautiously optimistic uh kind of like how i was before the united game it's a tough place to go i know if liverpool was going there i mean i'm actually semi-worried and i'm sure we'll have uh, many times to talk about the newcastle game but you know if i know if liverpool if it was our fixture going to burnley in these final weeks i would be really worried about that game uh, just because of the way Burnley plays, and especially the way they play at home. I mean, they're so physical, kind of like semi-nasty, um, and because of that, they do get their opportunities, especially at home. So it's definitely a tough challenge for them. And, I mean, I know everybody is, like, hopeful on, like, Leicester stealing points, I am not as much. Uh, I don't think they shut out City... Um, I mean, they have probably a better chance of scoring on the counter against City, uh, but I feel like this is our biggest chance remaining in terms of a team uh, tripping City. I think um, in terms of the Burnley match, uh, just a little bit of uh, statistics, Burnley are 1-1-1 one, one, and one against Man City in league play when playing at, on their home ground since they returned to the Premier League uh, in the 2014-2015 season. So they have shown that they can take points off City. And uh, I agree with what you said. They're a tough nut to crack. Um, their manager, the Ginger Mourinho, as he's called, has a chip on his shoulder. And he knows that game is going to have uh, a lot more eyes on it because of the implications for the title race. And I think he's going to have his team ready to play. And I think it will be a tough match for Man City, particularly if Man City don't score early. So it will be an interesting game to watch. It will be the first Burnley game that I actually watch all year, other than when they played against us. Because <laughs> uh, they're not easy on the eye. And uh, I hope they do a good job of making sure Man City suffer. And really, they, they challenge them and show a level of commitment and tenacity that Man United just didn't show on Wednesday, particularly in the second half. So um, I'm looking forward to it. I don't really have a prediction. I mean, I'll, if I make a prediction on this one, it's just out of thin air. I just have a hope, and my hope is that they can 
take two points off City. Um, any other comments or thoughts before we wrap it up? Uh, they were like talking about this. I mean, looking at, you know, you look at the lineup right now. Um, I mean, the goal differential and stuff like that. I mean, it will take a whole lot of weirdness for it to happen. But do you see a scenario where that comes into play? Well, we're now um, three goals behind Man City in the goal differential. It's only going to come into play if Man City drop points. And if they drop points, then it's gonna. We have to look at the uh, outcomes. At one nothing, is it one one? We have to see what the what the situation is. I think you know if they drop points this weekend, um, and we have an unexpectedly great result against Newcastle in terms of goal differential. Let's say we win two nothing, three one. Then all of a sudden, you know, you're looking at the goal differential being possibly in play uh, on May 12th, the last day of the season. I mean, can you imagine how crazy that would be? That would be that. I was thinking that about would this, be like, insane. You know, they were it. I mean, it really would take a lot. They would have to like, you know, lose and we tie like next week after they lose points this week and stuff. But I, I, I thought I had the same concept where like how crazy would that make May 12th? Yeah. In terms of you're not even looking at just scores now. You're looking at like final scores and goal differential and stuff like that. I don't think it's gonna happen. I just really don't see, you know, either of these teams. Uh, I mean, especially City losing, you know, points two out of the three games. We're kind of like hoping for one here. But, I mean, they've been on a streak. Maybe it's due to end. Like I say, all we can do right now is be cautiously optimistic. And I will probably watch that one Sunday morning uh, and then see what happens. There's a few good games this weekend to watch now that ours is out of the way and we can kind of like lean back and watch some football. But, um yeah, I mean, we can just we can just hope it's very doable. It's a tough place to go to. That stat you gave is, I think, uh, even only increases the hope. So you never know. All right. Well, the only way to know is to uh, wait for Sunday to come, and we'll see what happens. Tim, great talking to you on this podcast as always. Uh, thank you for listening, and. Uh, We'll see you next time on the American Scouser podcast.